You're listening to the IPHC Leadership Cast. Hello and welcome to this edition of the IPHC Leadership Cast. My name is Garrett Magby. I'm the website manager for the IPHC GSO Communications Department. And I'm here with the bishop of the IPHC, Bishop Doug Beecham. Bishop, how are you doing? Doing fine, Garrett. Thank you. I uh, Now, I'm glad we get to sit down and, and talk with you for the very first podcast of 2015. Um, and this is a very crucial and important podcast because we are setting... Uh, we are setting the tone for the rest of the year, right? And we wanted to talk to you about what exactly the uh, the focus of 2015 and and um, where we're going as a denomination, what we're looking at this year. I wanted to talk to you more about sure. that. Yeah. 2015 is the year that we have put aside for our uh, second of our core values, seven core values. We prayerfully value Pentecost. We began this last year. Um, and then last January, we began focusing on we prayerfully value Scripture. Uh, we This year, uh, Pentecost, we'll talk more about in the next few minutes. Next year, we prayerfully value holiness. Holiness, actually. And, uh, and so uh, these are very important ways for us, uh, not to exclude other significant and important issues and, and doctrines of the church. But over this year, it gives us time to really focus as a church on what it means for us to be Pentecostal. Uh, the Pentecostal Holiness Church was originally birthed in the Holiness Movement. Our right, roots, right. Our roots uh, sort of more directly like that, go back through uh, 19th century Holiness Movements. Uh, there are Holiness groups like the Christian Missionary Alliance and the, uh, uh, the Church of the Nazarene, for instance, right. the Wesleyan Church. Uh, those movements, we were very similar in our understanding of, of holiness and renewal movements uh, when when we came into existence in the late 1890s, and in uh, uh, 19, uh, 1906, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon this earth again in a very powerful way in the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles. Right. Word of that revival spread like wildfire. Um, a lot of people today, we we don't realize that in the early part of the 20th century. There was tremendous communication. Right. It wasn't Twitter and it wasn't Facebook <laughs> and it wasn't email. Right. But in its time, it was very effective. It was. Uh, it included everything from magazines and people. People read magazines. Magazines were published. Uh, newspapers um, spe- on specific uh, uh, topics, mm-hmm. uh, and particularly in in the world of, of spiritual renewal. Uh, they were published, people would subscribe to them, they were just spread all over the country, all over the world. And actually, a telephone use was very, was rather was rather large in the early part of the 20th century. Right, the right. telephone is an invention uh, across the United States and much of the world had already, already been in existence for 20 to 25 to 30 years. Yeah. And so communication was uh, actually pretty good for that time. And so the word of the uh, Azusa Street Revival, people speaking in other tongues, a uh, fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that spread across the country. And it began to impact people who were, who were a part of the movements, uh, the two primary movements that came together to form the Pentecostalist Church. One was the Fire Baptized Holiness Church, right. which had mid- Midwestern roots. Uh, and the other was the Holiness Church in North Carolina, which was primarily in eastern North Carolina and a little bit of South Carolina. 
and uh, leaders of that movement were in, uh, of those movements were impacted by the Azusa Street Revival. I actually wrote a book about one of them, a man named G.B. Cashwell. Cashwell, yeah. Cashwell's book on it's called Azusa East. His story of going to Los Angeles, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, coming back uh, to uh, uh, Don, North Carolina, and on uh, New Year's Eve of 1906, beginning a revival in an old tobacco warehouse. And it was out of that revival uh, that lasted about three, three and a half weeks there in Dunn that really impacted, uh, began to impact, first of all, the Holiness Church in North Carolina, then impacted some free will Baptist churches that became Pentecostal out of that. Right, right. Uh, and then through extension, uh, within a couple of months, impacted the uh, Fire Baptist Holiness Church. And that leader at that time was J.H. King, a young J.H. King. And, uh, and then the Church of God mm -hmm. in Cleveland, Tennessee, was impacted through the ministry of uh, G.B. Cashwell. And then by 1907, 1908, uh, men who later became founders of the Assemblies of God. Yeah, uh, yeah, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit through Cashwell's ministry and influence, and Cashwell was also instrumental uh, in the uh, the Church of God in Christ, which was an African American movement uh, that their leader Charles Mason received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, Cashwell had a role in that, mm -hmm. and so uh, uh, by by pretty much by nineteen oh eight nineteen oh nine. The whole movement, the Fire Baptist and the Pentecostal, the Holiness Church of North Carolina, had had pretty much uh, become Pentecostal. Yes. Had accepted the experience out of Azusa Street, uh, tied that into Acts chapter 2 to the pertinent passages of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And, um, and so when the two groups merged in 1911 to form the Pentecostal Church as we know it, they were clearly... Pentecostal, and it was very clear out of Azusa Street that to be Pentecostal was to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. Right. It didn't mean that there were not other evidences, certainly evidences of change, of, of empowerment of the Spirit, and, and a work of God in a person's life, but that was the outward evidence right. that occurred at that time. So uh, we think it's important. Uh, our name is Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. We uh, uh, we historically, of course, as people know, uh, we subscribe to the Apostles' Creed, to the Nicene Creed, and uh, we stand in the historic flow of uh, one God but revealed in three persons, the classic definition of the Trinity in, in historic right. Christianity. Uh, but we put a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit. We think that's really important. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the one thing about it is... Um, well, as you've been mentioning, of course, through the history, I mean, the the focus and the, kind of that initial um, step that happened, that took place, mm -hmm. that caused this revival to start happening, this, right. this spread, is really the roots of everything that we're uh, yeah. looking at this, this year, but That's also right. as a denomination throughout history since the beginning. Well, yeah, and uh, for the denomination, and, and really the Holy Spirit. I think this is something sometimes Pentecostals don't realize. We tend to think that the Holy Spirit, uh, and there are some views that say this, and we don't subscribe to this, but there are some who think, well, the Holy Spirit left 
you know, after the first century or all those gifts came to an end or that even even after the time of Constantine in the 300s, the Holy Spirit just was not manifest anymore until Azusa Street. <laughs> well, that, that's not really true. Right. Uh, the Holy Spirit, he was active in the creation. He's always been active. The Spirit of God, without the presence of the Spirit of God, we really don't have life here on this planet. Right, right. And, uh, and certainly we don't have spiritual life. And so the Holy Spirit, his work is far more than just what we as classical Pentecostals have called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't become a believer unless the Holy Spirit brings conviction and reveals the truth. It's the Holy Spirit who brings the, the, the saving grace of Jesus Christ into our lives. The Holy Spirit, he's at work uh, in applying the Word of God and the blood of Jesus into our lives in sanctification. And... Uh, the, the New Testament points to, uh, particularly in Acts 2, and, and what Jesus said in Acts 1, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. Right. So the Pentecostal experience is not primarily about our own sort of emotional, spiritual experience, although we experience it. Right. Uh, the Pentecostal experience is an empowerment to be a witness of Jesus Christ. It's not just verbal, it's in our life, it's a witness to the world and, and the culture in which we live and all those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, there are several things that I think are very important for us this year as a movement. That's what I was getting ready to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're going to be putting uh, emphasis on each quarter of the year. Okay. And, in, and here at the beginning of the year through <laughs> March, we're putting emphasis on who is the Holy Spirit. People need to understand this. The Holy Spirit, he's not some kind of a Star Wars, a Star Wars <laughs> force out there, you know, that a right. lot of us uh, and a lot of younger people grew up with. Uh, this is not uh, uh, Luke Skywalker out looking right. for some impersonal force somewhere. The Holy Spirit is, he is a person. He's real. He has, he, he's divine personality. And... Um, so he experiences joy. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't you don't grieve an inanimate force, right, an impersonal right. force, uh, something that's personality experiences grief or joy. And uh, and and so that's that's this understanding for us as Pentecostal holiness people of who is the Holy Spirit. That's a major part of what we'll be doing. The second. Uh, part uh, is related from April through June is related to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What's the purpose? What's the function? How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Those accounts in the book of Acts uh, where people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they speak in other tongues. Um, what, what's, why is that? What, what is that about? How do you receive that? Mm -hmm. uh, that will tie in to a major emphasis we're doing in the month of May. Pentecost Sunday is in May anyway uh, in, in, in the Western Church. Right. Uh, our Pentecost Holiness friends in Eastern Europe who follow the Orthodox calendar, Pentecost will be in early June for them. Yeah. But most of our emphasis is being built around May. And uh, uh, there will be preaching resources available on our website. And uh, I think that emphasis is called Threads. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's going to be a vital focus that whole month. And our goal is that Pentecostal churches 
during that month, there will be a huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit that young and old, men and women, whatever their background, whatever their culture, whatever their color, they will receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, they will experience that, that initial infilling of the Holy Spirit. And in a moment, I want to, I want to talk to you. Help me remember. Okay. I, want, I want to talk about uh, how we view speaking in tongues. Okay. And we'll come back to that. The summer quarter is set aside, and we'll be putting focus on, on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and we've done that on purpose ahead of the gifts. Right. Because I, I, I think most of us in leadership, we know personally and we believe that character is more important than the charisms we have, right. the gifts we have. Um, they're, they're, and, and so there'll be much focus on the fruit of the Spirit, those gifts, those fruit that Paul talks about in Galatians, um, and those nine specific fruit. They are the character of Jesus Christ. Right. The work of the Holy Spirit is to shape Jesus in us. And, uh, and that's to shape who we are, uh, not only in our own personal life, but us as a movement corporately. To be, a, as our vision statement is, to be a place of hope, to be a people of promise. The reality of those fruit coming forth with joy and love and peace and long-suffering and patience and all of those nine fruit. It's my prayer that that's more than something that occurs in our personal, individual lives. That becomes a corporate reality of who we are. Yeah. As we bear witness to who Jesus is. And then the final uh, quarter will be put on the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. We'll be using B.E. Underwood's book uh, that he wrote back in the 1980s. Uh, one of our former general superintendents who's with the Lord now. But a very influential book for us on understanding the gifts. Uh, we're going to be, and you'll be hearing from Dr. Garnet Pike in the second quarter, as we're talking about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right. he has a wonderful book on on receiving the promise of the Father. Okay. And yeah. that book's available. In fact, both the books I just mentioned are available in, in, in another available in Spanish and in English. Okay. But they will be primary resources for us. Um, wanted to come back and, and talk about uh, uh, the way we we're going to be laying out, particularly in the second quarter, about really what when people think of Pentecostalism, they, they one of the first things they think of are people speaking in unknown speaking tongues. Speaking in tongues. It's, yeah. the, it's the popular, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. sort of the initial kind of thought. And like on the day of Pentecost, uh, and somebody who doesn't know what's going on to think, you know, they're drunk or crazy or both. <laughs> or both, yeah. Yeah, and, and because it is, it is different. It is a different experience. Right. And it's not common speech, et cetera, as one would know. Right. It's Holy Spirit speech. In the Pentecostal Holiness Church, we believe that the Bible tells us there are three primary ways that tongues operate in the life of a believer. The first is when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is that, that presence of the Holy Spirit in your own life where you have totally surrendered your life to what the Lord has for you. And so your speaking in tongues is an evidence to you, it's an evidence to others, it's an evidence in the spiritual realm. Yeah. The tongue, as the Bible tells us, has the power of life and death. We speak curses that can just condemn people. And we can speak life and blessing to people. The tongue's important. Well, and, and whether it's in the tongue, a language we understand or we don't understand. 
We don't believe that a person who speaks in tongues when they receive the baptism, that that necessarily has to be interpreted. Mm -hmm. uh, on the, on, on, in Acts 2, people heard the interpretation in their own ears. The miracle occurred from speech to ears at that time without a, a different interpreter. The Holy Spirit spoke and interpreted at the same at time. At the same time, yeah. The second way we understand uh, uh, glossolalia, speaking in other tongues, is in a, a prayer language or a, a language of singing in the Spirit, worship, as we would call it. Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 says, I will sing with the understanding, uh, I, I, I will sing uh, in the Spirit. He says, I will pray with the understanding, I'll pray in the Spirit. Well, if Paul came to us today and began to speak to us, uh, unless he was given the gift of English, he'd be speaking in Greek. Right. He might be speaking in Aramaic, but more than likely he'd speak to us in Greek. Well, we wouldn't know what he was saying. <laughs> a lot of us say, ah, he's speaking in other tongues. Right. Now he's speaking in Greek. Yeah. Well, Paul understood that there is a spiritual language the Holy Spirit gives us. Sometimes we use the language of a, the terminology of like a prayer language, yeah. where we're praying in the Spirit. We don't. Paul in Romans eight says, "The Spirit intercedes for us through groanings and things of that nature, beyond our our normal vocabulary." Uh, words create reality. Whether it's in English or Spanish or French or Russian, words create the reality of the world in which we live. Well, there is a reality in the spirit realm that when we, we learn uh, to trust the Lord and to begin to pray and sing and worship in other tongues, that's the spirit of God praying through us. We may not in our intellect understand what we say, but there is a spirit work going on that, uh, uh, that's extremely important that God is operating in. Uh, as a pastor, there were times I would pray with people uh, in a hospital, for instance, and there were there were people who were unconscious, and I would pray for them. I just began to pray in the spirit. I didn't know what to pray. Yeah, right. I didn't know how to pray, but I knew that God knew how to pray. Yeah. And so to pray in the spirit is God praying through me. He's using a human instrument to communicate. And then the, the third primary way is what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, part of 1 Corinthians 14. That's a message in tongues for the body of Christ. That's a message that, that should be interpreted. It's meant to be interpreted. And Paul's pretty clear about those instructions. Right, right. And so uh, we're going to be talking about those kinds of things so that people understand. Sometimes, sometimes pastors don't fully understand how to operate in these gifts in the life of a congregation. And uh, and so uh, and I think this is going to be an important time for us as a movement as we grow in our walk in the power of the Spirit. I absolutely agree. And um, one thing that, that uh, everyone listening will need to know, and of course the entire denomination as we get into these different quarters of the, the year and that sort of thing, um, the materials and the, the focuses will be presented um, through our website, That's through right. social media. Yep. Um, as you mentioned earlier, the thread series will be, um, actually we'll have a, 
a release of that series as we get closer to that time. Okay. And uh, you'll be able to go to www.iphc.org right. backslash thread, and you will be able to access the adult um, kids ministry and also like the youth ministry right. portion of that. We'll have material for everyone. Um, but it'll it will help us keep on track as we're going through this year right. focusing on these different quarters as you've mentioned that's right I, that's that's a critical thing I, I hope right. people are making use of our website uh, and uh, our social media uh, if you're on Facebook you can follow us at IPHC Ministries you can follow yes. me at IPHC General Superintendent uh, the other divisions in the in the our offices here, Evangelism right. USA, World Mission Discipleship, they all have Facebook pages and they're pretty easy to find yes. and like, and you get those messages. And a lot of use is made of that. If you're on Twitter, uh, what's our handle? IPHC Ministries IPHC. at IPHC Ministries. Yes, and yes. my handle is at Doug Beecham. Yes, and so please follow us because we uh, we don't usually use those so much for personal things as we do for uh, promoting the ministries of the church. Right. Related to that, I want to mention uh, that our fifth global assembly is going to be held in early May. Yes, May six through eight in Hong Kong. Right, and everybody from around the world is invited to this, yeah. and it's a huge event for the IPHC, and. Uh, uh, the focus of this is we prayerfully value Pentecost. And for men and women, for, I mean, we're in 100 countries around the world. Right. We'll have representatives from many of those countries, probably the majority of them, who will gather in Hong Kong May 6th through 8th. You can go to our webpage, IPHC.org, and you can find information about that. You register online. You can take care of paying online right, for your credit right. card and everything that's associated with that. But I think, to me, that's going to be an extremely important way for us to kick off the month of, of Pentecost uh, in May. In May, yeah. Uh, because we're going to have uh, almost our version of 120 people <laughs> in the upper room uh, right. from, from every tribe and tongue every and nation who will yep. be gathering. Oh, yeah. And probably, you know, uh, a huge percentage of the languages that are spoken on, on this planet will be spoken there. People will come. And although English will be the primary language. But we're coming as Pentecostals to worship together as Pentecostals in the power of the Spirit. Yeah. And so um, I, I hope folks will take advantage of that. It's a once-in-a-lifetime great opportunity. It absolutely is. And, and I is, hope yeah. they'll be a part of it. It's a major part of what we do. Major part. It, it, it definitely is. And, and I know that, that we'll both be there as well as a, a lot of other people right. here covering the event. And uh, for th those of you who want to go but might not be able to go, we will be covering it through our social media right. that we just mentioned. So keep tuned in in May because you will see um, posts and pictures and uh, possibly some That's videos. Right. That sort of thing. But if you're able to go, as the bishop said, this is a wonderful opportunity. And it will also, again, tie into this, this entire year, but the focus That's right. during that period of time of Pentecost and what That's right. it really is about. And this really ties in. All, all of these values tie back in to the theme that I, we believe out of Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, the Lord's given this church, uh, certainly for an eight or nine year period. Uh, God's called us to be a place of hope. And that hope has got to be by the power of the Spirit. It's got to be by the message of Jesus Christ. And we're a people of promise. And the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. And so I really believe God has called us to a season of catalytic identity, re-identity, 
and living in the reality of that identity as uh, as we move forward in this year. Amen. Amen. Bishop, I really appreciate your time with us today. Um, we are running out of time, but I want to ask right before we go, do you have any final words for our listeners out there that you want to convey to them before we... No, uh, other than just quite simply, thank you as a Pentecostal Holiness family uh, for your prayers uh, for this movement, uh, your prayers for uh, the general superintendent and his office. You're part of this office, <laughs> I, Absolutely. I appreciate those. And just you. pray that this will be a year where the Holy Spirit moves in a mighty way and there's clarity and understanding uh, through the Word of God. Nobody wants flaky stuff. Right. We, we want God's truth and God's Word, and we want to be effective and fruitful for Jesus. At the end of the day, this is not about my personal experience. This is about bearing much fruit, as Jesus says in John 15, bearing much fruit that will remain. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, so much. Thank you for listening to the IPHC Leadership Cast. For more information on the Leadership Cast and other church-related resources, please visit www.iphc.org.